spate of high-profile burglaries in expensive neighbourhoods, a mountain of stolen goods, and hundreds of burglars all on holiday. The police first became significantly concerned when a crate of designer goods, jewellery, watches was seized at Heathrow Airport and it was being shipped back to Chile. Two years ago, the Times crime correspondent John Simpson first broke the story of a new phenomenon rocking law and order in Britain. As he put it, we've become the victims of burglary tourism. Some of them do obviously very well out of it. One of the detectives said, they're like rock stars. They come back here and they're wearing designer clothes, wearing jewellery and gold chains. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the burglary tourists from Chile. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burglars tend to target larger houses in the suburbs around London and the southeast. They will arrive usually in a car, pull up nearby, and approach from the rear of the property. John Simpson is the Times crime correspondent. Often these properties back onto big open spaces, fields and woodland. They'll hop a fence and they come with minimal equipment. So they'll use anything in your garden in order to get up to the first floor. In one case, this included upending a heavy teak table, dragging it to the rear wall. One burglar actually standing on the shoulders of another and smashing a back window. This is all premised on a essentially a gamble that alarm systems will be based almost entirely on the ground floor. That's so cunning. So they're essentially circumnavigating your security system by skipping that ground floor. And is that true? If, if you manage to enter on the first floor, you're less likely to be detected? All I can say is that it seems to have worked in many of their cases. Certainly the first batch that we covered, a lot of them had got away without setting alarm systems off. And the officer involved, the detective, did issue a warning to people that when they installed their alarm systems, they should uh, cover the first floor too. Tell me a bit about some of the victims. Victims tend to be wealthier. The sort of people that can afford properties in the stockbroker belt around London, upmarket places in Esha and Cobham and Surrey. Did you speak to any of them at all? We did, yeah. We tracked one down as part of the initial piece that we did. And they described coming home and finding mud all over their daughter's bedroom, 
all over the white curtains. They said they felt violated. She described her bedroom being completely destroyed and finding her husband's medical records all over the floor. All of her jewellery was missing and she'd lost at least £14,000 worth of smaller items, the sorts of things that these guys could easily snatch up and make off with. Around Santiago, there are these sprawling suburbs that go on for miles and miles. And some of these are quite rough neighborhoods the police don't even like going into, which are often controlled by gangs. Matthew Campbell is the Sunday Times Foreign Features editor. In March, he visited Chile to report on the other side of the story. I was asking for information about this, and I did actually get uh, a handful of addresses. The police chief told me that we don't advise you to go to some of these places because they can be quite aggressive towards outsiders. (laughs) At the very least, your photographer will have his cameras nicked, I can guarantee it. (laughs) And he said, if you do have to go, make sure you go before 11 o'clock in the morning. These guys will be curled up in bed until around about midday. You know, go early and you might be all right. We went off to try the first address in a neighbourhood which was, it seemed like a sort of industrial zone quite a wide avenue with warehouses along it and then sometimes vacant lots, very shabby sort of run-down part of Santiago, but actually not really very busy and not much sign of life anywhere. It was fairly early in the morning, I guess about nine o'clock. And the first address that I had was, I think it was number 756 and then the name of an avenue. And we went to this area I got an Uber basically the driver at first had been rather reluctant when he heard the name of the district but said okay well I'll take you there oh really is it just seen as a a, a slightly dubious area these areas nobody wants to sort of go to these places generally speaking because uh, they have a reputation for being hotbeds of criminality basically and violent but the problem was that the street number didn't exist this first address that we went to there was a 758 and a 754 no 756 so I knocked on 758 and there was a chap in a string vest who said, oh, no, I don't know that family here. And then he said, oh, but you might want to try next door. It's rather conspiratorial. Uh, <laughs> the woman who opened the door next door said she didn't know this family either. Uh, and I noticed in the background there was a, a big cardboard box and another woman was kind of unpacking it. And it just crossed my mind. I just I wondered whether this was some sort of haul of stolen goods from London. But she explained that they'd actually just moved in. And so we kind of left it there. I mean, burglaries are always awful when they happen, but it's not often you as a crime correspondent 
would report on them. What is it about this burglary that made you so interested? The pattern of behaviour and the number of offences being committed by foreign nationals from a relatively small country. How many are we talking? There were 300 arrests over less than three years. 300 Um, arrests? Not 300 burglaries, but 300 arrests? Precisely, which would suggest that representative figure, a tip of the iceberg number. Because each of those people could have done more than one burglary. I mean, that's a lot of burglaries. Well, they tended to hit between three and five houses over the course of about a week. And where were they all coming from? To the best of my knowledge, the pattern seems to be that all of them are from the Santiago area within that particular barrios where this has become a pattern. They seem to learn it either through organised groups out there or in prison. And they're not just hitting the UK, they're leaving often despite travel bans, sneaking into neighbouring countries and then flying to Europe and sort of touring Barcelona, places in Switzerland, the UK, Canada. The pair was part of a Chilean burglary ring broken up in the Toronto area last April. 15 Chileans were arrested. The west coast of the U.S. Police told him he had been hit by an organized gang of Chilean nationals responsible for burglaries all across Southern California. Uh, And other places. This is pretty astonishing. You know, I've heard of burglaries. I've never heard of burglary tourism. How did you get onto this story? I actually coined the phrase burglary tourism to sum up the uh, offense. And it, it came about completely by chance. I was at an event with a number of police officers at Scotland Yard. The social life of a crime correspondent. (laughs) It was the Commissioner's Summer Drinks, I think it was. And I walked up to the head of organised crime and he was talking to one of his senior detectives who turned out to be the senior investigating officer in the case. They kind of went quiet as I approached and after a slightly awkward conversation, I teased out, topic, which was Operation Genie, which was set up specifically to deal with Chilean burglars coming over and targeting properties all over the outskirts of London, places like Wimbledon, then into the suburbs and beyond. And that kind of immediately showed how serious they were already taking it. And, you know, what was the sort of pattern that they'd observed? How were they operating them that made them distinctively different to local burglars. So the police first became significantly concerned when a crate of designer goods, jewellery, watches, again, these smaller items that can easily be snatched up, things like handbags, was seized at Heathrow Airport and it was being shipped back to Chile. Part of their modus operandi, they would arrive to South London, meet an individual or individuals in South London where there's a large settled South American community and they would drop off things like identification documents, their own mobile phones, collect a phone and a car and head out to what seemed to be pre-selected addresses which suggests some kind of scoping out and planning some kind of reconnaissance on the ground by groups already here. And then they'd 
snatch up all the stuff and it was described to me by a police officer as they'd all come back dump it on a table the less expensive items would be kind of handed out for people to keep and the rest of it would be shipped back to Chile. Wow. And how did they sort of work out which burglaries they were responsible for? There was a lot of suspicious activity and there were reports of burglaries. But there was one case in which Rhodes policing officers stopped a car, which I believe had a safe in the back. Oh, that's a bit of a giveaway. Yes, not great if you're a burglar and you're caught with a safe in the back of the car. They would then have been able to track that car. And I know, as you'll be aware, there are a lot of these houses will have quite sophisticated CCTV systems, even if the house in question that's being targeted doesn't, a house nearby will. So officers will look out for suspicious vehicles. And once they had these number plates, they started to see that those cars were in the area when other burglaries were committed. Um, and some of these guys were stopped before they could leave the country. Often they hadn't been that careful in terms of fingerprints and things because they thought they'd be in and out very quickly. There was a lot oh, of collaboration between the UK and Chile as well. So Chile were providing records of suspicious individuals, people who were thought to be involved, which would include that fingerprint and DNA data. But they're given specific addresses, so somebody's already cased these neighbourhoods and worked out where to target. That's the working theory. The detectives involved in uh, Operation Genie have always suspected that there is a, a Mr Big or a group or gang somewhere in South London who direct the operations, who do the recce and scope out the targets. The burglary tourists tend to spend a week or so in the UK targeting around five properties in that time, before moving on to another country. They'll steal whatever they can carry. They'll look for small, high-value objects, watches, jewellery, designer handbags, some designer clothes, anything that can be uh, bundled up and, and moved very quickly. Victims have tended to be wealthy professionals, but in a recent spate, up north, they've been targeting what's called the Golden Triangle in, in Cheshire, the villages where footballers tend to live. Two criminals from Chile in South America have been jailed for carrying out a string of burglaries in a wealthy part of Cheshire. The former Manchester United goalkeeper Thomas Kushak was among the victims who lost hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of cash, jewellery and designer watches. Thomas Kuzchek, the former Manchester United goalkeeper, was targeted. Andy Anson, the chief executive of the British Olympic Association. High-profile cases. Yes. In one case, four Chileans targeted the home of Marcus Waring, the TV chef, and they took about £33,000 worth of jewellery and other items. So what did the police tell you about how they're tracking them down, given that they are moving around so fast? So the Chilean authorities have helped. They've given the officers running Operation Genie a number of profiles of some of the people that they think are active. Then in collaboration with other countries who have been affected, they are working to try and stop them at the border, either coming in or going out. But it's very, very difficult. There's a quite relaxed visa arrangement between the UK and Chile. You can come over for... 90 days without needing to apply for any formal visa. 
and it's a quid pro quo system so that Brits can go out there without doing the same. Are they looking into how to make it harder for, for people to come in just to do burglaries? Are they able to track people they think are likely candidates? It's very difficult without profiling of all Chileans who come into the country. But I think they're working to improve record sharing where it's relevant to this kind of criminality. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I wanted to track down the families of these crime tourists. I had a very long meeting in the police headquarters with the head of an anti-theft unit. And he put me in touch with two detectives who have focused on this novel area of Chilean crime. They introduced me to this new breed of criminal. They told me that these are young people who want to travel abroad. I think, generally speaking, young Chileans, this is down in the southern hemisphere, they're a very long way from Europe and from the rest of the world, in a sense, and they want to see it. But at the same time, they want certain things that they've seen other people have. An easy way to get it, presumably, is to go and steal stuff. And they curiously enough, brag about their feats on social media and show off their really? their ill-gotten gains on social media. And they all have these Facebook pages, but they use false names. And so even though it helps police to kind of track them down, it's quite difficult to work out who is who because they're all using you know, different aliases. So the, the police I met were kind of looking at their screens and showing me all of these different pages on Facebook and saying, oh, this is so-and-so, he's been busy in America, or this is one of the guys who burgled Marcus Waring's house. There was a picture of two of the Waring burglars showing off some of the stuff they stole. They were arrested, this was in October last year. One of them was wearing, I think, a gold necklace that had been stolen from the Waring house really? uh, that belonged to Marcus Waring's wife, yes. And then they posted on Facebook, they're usually selfies, and other pictures showing off money that they've stolen, presumably, you know, wads of 500 euro notes. And they're, they're often posting pictures of themselves in front of major tourism landmarks in Europe, for instance, the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris and the Sagrada Familia Cathedral in Barcelona. And so they really are doing tourism at the same time as you know, <laughs> burgling houses. So I think crime tourists, it's a very appropriate uh, label for them. What were the detectives like? What were the police in Santiago like? Well, they were very friendly and, as I said, very cooperative. They wanted to show that they're doing something and taking this seriously. I think the basic point that they wanted to get across is that these are young people who, by travelling abroad and carrying out burglaries and then you know, often getting away with it, coming home 
and bragging about it on social media extraordinarily. They have this very high status in the criminal fraternity. They're known as international criminals. Now, international criminals have always existed in Chile. These are Chileans who go abroad, visit the Northern Hemisphere and rob people, often as pickpockets. But in the old days, of course, they were very discreet about it and they certainly wouldn't dream of boasting about it. They were referring to these millennials, they called them, who can't resist the temptation of showing off their loot on social media, bragging about it, and getting some sort of status from it, and being regarded when they come home as almost heroic in a sense. It's an interesting phenomenon. They said that these international criminals have a very high status even in prisons, if they get caught in Chile subsequently and it's known that they've been abroad and that they've been an international criminal, in prison they are at the sort of top of the pecking order, as it were, and they get people sort of waiting on them and they have this very high status in jail as well among the prisoners. I mean, that's amazing. It's really interesting that you say there's always been a tradition of people who are desperate in Chile going abroad and pickpocketing. It does seem as if they've become much more brash, but also their ambitions have clearly grown because they're going further afield and their targets are far more ambitious than they used to be. Did the police know what's happened? There's a perception that us Europeans, basically, we're not so careful when it comes to guarding our property. The police in Santiago told me that the idea of going to prison in the UK is not at all worrying to them because they would imagine that prison in the UK is probably like a hotel compared to what it would be in Chile. And that if they were sentenced to three years, they'd probably get early release and they'd be sent home. But the point is that when they get home, if you did time in Europe, you have, again, this extraordinary status in the criminal fraternity. That's cool. I mean, you've been in prison in the UK. My God, you know, you're, you're a hero. And for the police in Santiago, I mean, do they see it as their problem? Well, they do. And I think that there's obviously been uh, a certain amount of coordination with the British police. I think that they're trying to help. They want good relations with Britain. And so they're doing all they can. And that was certainly the impression they wanted to give, that they're helping. And in fact, this anti-theft unit has one of its agents working in the Chilean embassy in London to help, again, coordinate with British police and to alert police in Santiago when one of these suspected crime tourists is coming back. There was one example of that that one of the detectives told me about, a young chap who turned up on New Year's Eve and his name had been flagged up, so they were waiting for him at the airport. And uh, he was wearing a bracelet, which I think said something like, Love you, nanny. Oh, no. It was a bracelet that belonged to somebody whose home had been burgled in Britain. Certainly not his. Yes, exactly. I think they've identified the owner of that bracelet now, and it's apparently being returned. What's the outlook? What are the police, how do they sort of view things going? Are they still worried about the threat of Chilean burglars? So Operation Genie continues, but it's not quite the operation it was, I think, by recognising the pattern and alerting border force, working with the Chilean authorities, they've kind of upped their response to it on a kind of systematic level. There's also been a deterrent. There have been a number of arrests and, and charges. We've made it more difficult, but I guess it awaits to be seen as winter approaches and lockdown lifts. We might well see another wave. 
And when they have arrested people and some of them have gone to prison, have they ever managed to retrieve some of the possessions? Has any of that been returned? To the best of my knowledge, none of the cases have led to a significant amount being retrieved. They're very quick to move this stuff. I mean, that's common across all burglary types, even Hatton Garden. They shifted their ill-gotten gains very quickly. And that's an insurance. You do your time and you come out and there's something waiting for you. Matthew, who hadn't had much luck at the first address he visited, continued his search for the Chilean burglary tourists in the rundown suburbs of Santiago. It was getting late in the morning and we went to another area and this was a bit more lively. There were lots more people around. And then we did start to see young guys sort of sitting on street corners, watching the car, watching us when we went in. And I sort of started to feel slightly nervous because... I was going to say, you must have been quite anxious. When we stopped and then I got out of the car, there were three or four guys on the street corner staring. I was with the photographer and he did have a camera back. But then we sort of... Did he get to keep it? <laughs> Luckily, nothing happened. We went around the corner, so we were out of their sight and looking for this address and knocked on another gate. And this time a woman came to the gate and... I asked her if she was part of the Donoso family. I was looking for the home of Claudio Donoso, who was another one of the Marcus Waring case, and they're all in prison in this country. And she said, no, no, nothing to do with me. I don't know who that is. And then I said, look, um, are you sure? Because this is the address we've got. And then she started to say, well, who are you? you know, where are you from? And I said, well, look, we're not from the police. I'm a journalist from Britain, and I'm looking for the family of Claudio Donoso, who's in prison in, in this country, and, you know, can you help? So then she basically sort of changed her story and said, well, actually, I'm his aunt. And I said, oh, well, can we have a chat? And she invited us in. There was a quite a new-looking, shiny black car in the drive once we went through the gate, and then she ushered us into her house, there was a lot of furniture. There was a TV and a few pictures on the walls, but it was a fairly modest home, I would say. She basically told the story of her nephew. She said that he had been living with her for five years until he had gone off to Europe. She said that he was a friend of a young man called Danko Donaire Carvajal, and that he had called him up one day and said, you know, why don't we go to Europe? It'll be fun. Around about the same time, according to this woman, her nephew had been going out with this young woman called Brandy, and she had gone off with someone else, and young Claudio was very upset. In fact, she said that this woman had broken his heart, and so when his friend said, let's go to Europe, he decided to leave with him, and off they went. She'd heard that he had been arrested and imprisoned, because young Claudio is on the phone quite often to Brandy, who is now regularly coming over to talk to the aunt and give her news about Claudio, and seems to be really very interested in young Claudio again now that he's in prison in the UK. Gosh, there is something about glorifying crime. It made me think that maybe there is something in it, yes, you know, that he has this status now because he's in prison in the UK. When he went on this therapeutic trip to Europe, was, was he expecting just a break or was he expecting to go on a burglary spree? Her version of the story was that his friend had led him astray and that he was a good lad, he had always been a very good student. He'd been living with her because his father had been a schizophrenic and had died uh, in uncertain circumstances. And so it's not clear 
what the intention was when they went to Europe. And tell me more about this aunt. I mean, was she devastated that he's now in prison or do you think there was a sense of pride there too? Well, do you know what? You're absolutely right. I think there was a sense of, oh, isn't it fun? He's in prison. She didn't seem to be at all concerned by that. Really? In fact, she just said, oh, we'll send him a big kiss from me. And how well do they do out of it? I mean, you sort of mentioned, we can't be sure, but you did notice a, a gleaming black car in the driveway as you, you turned off at the house. I mean, how much can this sort of transform your life if you're a poor young man in Chile? I don't know. I think some of them do obviously very well out of it. One of the detectives said to me, yes, you know, they're like rock stars. They come back here and they're wearing designer clothes, wearing jewellery and gold chains. It works out for some of them in the sense that they get the stuff they crave. Others obviously end up being imprisoned and it goes perhaps from bad to worse in some cases. But it's interesting that they sort of seem to be viewed quite heroically. You know, there's no sort of sense of censure in society in, in Chile. Well, I think, yes, particularly in these neighbourhoods, perhaps. For instance, after talking to this woman, we went back to the the car to find the sort of rather nervous driver had been sort of sitting there. And he said, oh, while while you've been gone, I've been sitting here watching these people unloading the car. And they were taking out all of these garments from the boot that still had the alarm tags that they put on them in in stores. He said, I'm sure they'd stolen it. It it could be that, you know, this is one of those neighbourhoods where most activity is somehow or other related to crime. So if the threat of being imprisoned in Britain doesn't seem to deter them... Is there anything the police in the UK can do to stop the burglary tourists of Chile? I think that the message is already getting out that, you know, Britain is not a soft touch and Europe is not a soft touch. And that, you know, UK prisons are not hotels. (laughs) And that this is going to stop, is the police chief message, at least. However... I think reality is different and that the more people post these images on Facebook of the supposedly glamorous lifestyle of the international crime tourist, the riches to be won from travelling around Europe burgling people's houses, it's bound to encourage others, particularly given that we're all, it seems, on the cusp of economic difficulties coming out of the pandemic And in Chile, these could be particularly acute. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the Times crime correspondent, John Simpson, and the Sunday Times Foreign Features editor, Matthew Campbell. You can read more of their work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was Edward Drummond, the executive producer is Leo Hornack, and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. If you have a spare moment, please do leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're in the market for more entertaining listening, why not tune in to John Pienaar's show on Times Radio, Monday to Thursdays from 4pm. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.